You're listening to the Online Empire Academy Podcast, where you'll discover some of the best and most creative ways to provide for your family and get started on your journey to entrepreneurship. No crazy get-rich-quick schemes. No living in a van down by the river with your family while you build your business. If you want real, actionable, and proven entrepreneur ideas that you can use right now, join us for free at theonlineempireacademy.com. Now, get ready for the Online Empire Academy Podcast. What's up, Online Empire Academy? I am so excited to be here today. Uh, As you know, we're going through a private label kind of series. And one of the things I have seen and a problem that I've seen within the private label industry is the lack of brand development and brand building. And, you know, we've we've talked to a few people who have brought up this concept, but I kind of wanted to expand on that a little bit more. And I have somebody who is absolutely an elite in this industry. It's Daryl Weber. How you doing, man? Hey, great, Josh. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. So if you're talking about brand consulting, this guy is the top of the top. I mean, he's done stuff with Coca-Cola, Nike. I think you said Google, like just all of these different brands that, and like actually done it like global director of creative strategies. If you look up his website, that's what he did for Coca-Cola. And I mean, just an incredible mind when you talk about brand development. And so I wanted to have Daryl on today just to kind of talk about that whole aspect and, and developing and growing your private label products into a private label brand. So I want to hear your story first. Tell us how you got started and, and you know, just kind of where you came from. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I started my career in advertising. I was doing what's called strategic planning, which um, if your listeners, listeners aren't familiar with, it's really understanding the message behind ads. So who you're going to target, who your customers are, um, how you're different from the competition, what the trends are that you're tapping into, all of that. So it's really, you know, what makes an ad great and what's going to really build that brand for you. Um, so that, that's always how I've focused my career since then. And I've always been on, on the sort of strategy end of it, right? So figuring all that out. Um, I then went to a consultancy. It's called Red Scout in New York. They call themselves a brand strategy and innovation consulting firm. So same kind of thing, like understanding brands, giving them a positioning. So that's, you know, figuring out where they stand against their competition, what they should stand for, what their tone of voice and personality is. Um, and we did that for some of my clients were Diageo, if you know the big liquor company. I worked on brands like Johnny Walker and Kettle One and Smirnoff and Captain Morgan, a whole, whole gamut of stuff. Um, and then, yeah, I started working with Nike there, um, did a lot of great brands. Um, then, you know, I got this call from Coca-Cola. And like you said, yeah, it was a great sounding position. It was a, a global role. Um overseeing the brand strategies across a number of their global brands. So Sprite and Fanta and Vitamin Water and Powerade. Um, so yeah, kind of helped understand how those brands are perceived in those different markets, which you can imagine there's a ton of diff- different um, cultures and going and different comp- competitive sets. And, you know, take a brand like Powerade, where some people are, in a, like in the, in the States, where everyone knows what a sports drink is. You go to some other markets, people have no idea even what a sports drink is. So oh. you have a very different market there. And we're trying to figure out how, how should you go to market? How should these brands appeal to people there? Um, and how should the messaging be similar or different as you go to these different markets? Um, so that was my focus. I enjoyed my time there. It was a great few years, but I've just recently left and uh, gone out on my own. 
which is uh, exciting and a whole new adventure. Um, so now I'm kind of an independent brand consultant working on a number of brands from startups to household names. Again, kind of the same, same mix. I love working with startups, especially. Uh, and then, yeah, doing some, some work on the side where uh, I have my own private label business. Um, and I'm actually launching another one, a new, new business. So that's been fun and uh, doing some writing. And I have a book coming out in April. I mean, you're you're like genuinely one of the most busy dudes ever. And on top of all of that, I he has his own band too, and it's the Palace Wolves. And seriously, like you know, some people will send me stuff like that, and and I'll look at it, but it's not that good. I actually really enjoyed your guys's music. So you guys, if you're you know just a little plug for that, um, yeah, thanks. You know, if you guys want to go go check out their band, it's the Palace Wolves, right? Yeah, the Palace Wolves. Yeah, dot com. So yeah, thank super you. cool. Yeah, it's it's, it's great rock. music. That's fun too. Totally. Yeah. So. I mean, you guys just kind of heard a little bit and I'm already, my brain is spinning on like, am I touching the global market? You know, is my listing optimized that it's actually reaching people, you know, somebody in Africa or, you know, somebody in, in Southeast Asia, like, is my product really going to get to them on Amazon? And, and I, I mean, literally as you're talking, my brain was spinning because I was like, Oh no, like, am I doing enough for the brands that we already have? Like, am I marketing to just the United States or is there a bigger opportunity? So, I mean, obviously you're working with some, some global brands. What are some, and, and on top of that, you have your own private label product. So what are some ways that us as entrepreneurs can start positioning our brands and our products so that they do reach a global market? Yeah, to reach a global market. Um, so you know, when I was at Coca-Cola, the, the biggest challenge was they're trying to come up with a one brand that can go, go across all these different cultures. And there's, there's a, a problem there. Cause like I said, you're dealing with very different people in very different cultural situations and you're trying to find one brand hook, like one sort of message that can go across them. Um, and the, the danger is you get to a sort of lowest common denominator where you find something very basic that, yeah, is true amongst all people, but it's not actually something that's going to resonate with them. Um, and really to build a strong brand, you want to have some kind of emotional hook that's really going to pull them in, talk to them, who, the, you know, understand who they are, really connects to their lives. Um, and that's really difficult to do when you're talking about a, a global market because you have so many different people in different situations. Um, so the way I thought about it was let's not, let's try to not do that lowest common denominator or something basic and obvious, but get to what's that deep universal truth. So something that's true among, you know, humans in general, that, that is going to be powerful and emotional and that your brand can tap into. Um, And it's hard to find, you know, that's, that's not so easy to do. Um, But if you can find it, it can be a really strong platform for a brand to stand on. Um, you can, it can inspire sort of great creative advertising and marketing like, like companies like Coca-Cola try to do. Um, but it can also just let consumers, uh, give them something to grab onto and, and really, uh, connect with your brand. Consumers to grab onto. I love <laughs> that sentence because I, I- on Amazon, you're like, oh, you know, our ag- algorithms will work and we'll, you know, we'll just throw some stuff up there, maybe pay for some ads. But I love what you just said is, is grabbing the attention. We just talked about it a, a few weeks ago about, you know, your picture. You have one second to grab the attention of your audience. You have one second as they're scrolling past, maybe even less than that. And the, the second part to that is if you're choosing to advertise, if you're choosing to create a brand, which you should, if you're private labeling, like set yourself up for success. But I, I love that idea of like appeal to the greater market. What are some ways that you've done that with your own private label products? 
Yeah, sure. And I think it's something a lot of entrepreneurs, especially with private labeling, overlook, right? And don't do it. They tend to focus on the functional aspects of the product and, you know, how they're going to sell it. Um, but to me, if you want to build a brand, uh, you have to understand what's that bigger emotional reason that someone's going to connect with this thing? What's the real reason they're buying it? Um, so that often starts with the problem you're solving, right? So being really clear on how this fits into my person, the, the person's life, the person who's buying it. Um, and, and what bigger role does it play? There's a, there's a famous quote. I don't know if you've heard it. Like people don't want to buy a quarter inch drill. They want a quarter inch hole, right? Ah. Like it's not the thing that they're buying. It's the, the job that it's doing in your life and the solution that it provides. And you can give, go even further than that, right? It's not even that they just want the hole. They want, uh, they want to hang a picture on the wall. That's what you're providing. So you may be selling the drill, but actually what you're providing is decorating someone's home, right? Um, so you can like kind of go further with it and understand how it fits in life. And if you can do that, then you can write your copy. You can make everything appeal to them in that mindset. Not, hey, this is the drill you want, but it's like, oh, you're going to make a more beautiful hole, home in the process. Um, so really understanding that insight and the problem you're solving, I think is, is sort of the first step, right? And then that can be what you build everything else off of. Goodness, man. It's so good. Will you explain copy? Because that may be a new concept for some of our viewers. Will you explain what copy is to our viewers? Sure. Yeah. I should realize when I'm using uh, marketing speak. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. I mean, it's all a learning process and I love it. Yeah. So, I mean, copy is really just language. Um, it's just the writing that you use to, to pull a consumer in and, and someone who's going to buy your product. Um, and I think we say copy is inset that it's a bit more artfully crafted. You know, it's a bit more poetic. It's not just going to explain um, functionally what you're doing. It's actually going to, you know, give your brand some personality and a tone of voice um, and, and show them like why your product's different from others in, a, in an interesting way that captures their attention and actually captures their emotion. I think that's a fundamental of, of learning and it's something that I'm, I'm not good at yet. And it's something that I'm building and want to grow with because to, to even talk to you guys, to talk to our audience, to talk to the, to the, the mass majority of people, I've got to exactly what you said. And I love it is, is figure out, you know, what is the, the thing? I don't want to give them a drill. I want to give them the whole and oh my gosh, I'm going to keep that one. That one's going in my notes. I think that's a, a, a great, great concept. So one of your products is, is Base Bright. Can you kind of share with us how that got created and, and, and why, why it, using the analogy you just gave us, what that fixes within the market? Yeah, totally. So I'm, I'm a bass player myself. I play electric bass guitar. And I, I was having this problem where bass strings, they start to die really quickly. So by die, I mean, they lose their tone. They, they don't sound as good. You know, when you put brand new fresh strings on, they sound amazing. They're bright, they're articulate. They have this real punch and clarity. And then within a week of my playing, they would start sounding dull and dead. Um, and you know, you're playing for fun. It kind of really loses the joy of it. It doesn't sound as good to anyone who's listening. It doesn't sound as good to the band. Um, it's real negative. And bass strings are pretty expensive. They cost, um, you know, between $30. They can go up to mine cost up to $50 a pack. Um, so, you know, you don't want to be replacing those every week for sure, every couple of weeks. So you end up playing with deader strings. And, you know, I started researching this and seeing online that bass players are all complaining about this all over. And they're doing all these homemade remedies, right? So they're boiling them in water. They take their strings off, boil them, soak them in alcohol, um, lots of crazy things that, that sort of work, maybe work for a little bit, make this, but then they have all these negative side effects. Like they make the strings more brittle and they'll break or they're bad for your frets, like the, the part of the instrument. Um, 
so really there was no good solution. And I, I just saw this screaming problem out there um, just in the online community of bass players. Uh, and I, I, I said, okay, there's got to be a better solution here. And that's why I said, so I started with that problem. And I think that was the key. I'm like, if I can find a solution, I know there's a market for this. Um, so I went out, I did some research. I started seeing what are people doing to fix this problem? I found one guy in some old forum from like a long time ago talking about this one spray that he used to use um, and how amazing it worked. And he was kind of trying to tell everyone about it. No one was listening. I actually wrote to the guy, said, what was that? What were you using? It worked so well. Um, it was this you know, product that's meant for electricians. It has nothing to do with musical instruments. Um, it's very small. It's hard to find. Um, but I tried it. I, I ordered it online. It's a small company in California makes it. Um, I tried it and I said, hey, this actually works incredibly well. This guy was right. Nobody knows about it. Um, so I, I contacted the company that makes the product. I said, hey, they had it in a spray. I was like, have you ever considered putting this in a wipe? Let's get a new sort of format for it. Mm. And they said, yeah, we actually have. Um, we used to sell it as a wipe for guitar players. And, I, and they said it didn't sell well. You know, like, don't waste your time. It's not going to sell. And I said, well, guitar players don't care. Their strings are like $4 a pack or whatever. Um, they're cheap. They don't, it's not about the sound of the strings as much. It's a whole different game. I was like, if you market this to bass players, I think we got a real opportunity here. So I talked to them about changing the brand. I created, you know, Bass Brights, renamed it, redesigned it. We put it in these wipes. We put it in a canister. Um, and yeah, so then I started marketing it to bass players. It's gotten some great traction. It gets really good reviews online. Um, it started to pick up. So now I've kind of just been doing it. Um, and it, it's been fun, you know, because it's obviously something I'm interested in. It solves a problem for myself. And clearly it's solving a problem for a lot of bass players out there. Gosh, man, that is so cool. I think you've touched on a few things that that I, I really kind of I want to target. The first was obviously you saw the problem. The The second was you sought for a solution. The third is you sought to partner with somebody who is already making the product before you chose to go out and make it yourself. And that to me is the pinnacle of all of this. It's, it's the big hitter. It's the thing that I get most excited about. And everybody who's listening has heard this from me before is partnerships are the way to increase what you're doing already. And so many of us are excited. They're like, oh yeah, I found the manufacturer. I'm just going to go make it. There are so many products who are not yet listed on Amazon, eBay, Etsy. I mean, we just talked about this. Like it, it's, it's there. There's products already there that aren't represented and you know how to get them ranked. And I love, I love that you went out and sought this company and had a conversation with them because that's what people are most afraid of is the conversation. And I, dude, I, that's so cool. That's so inspiring to me because like you're, you're the success story. I mean, here you are a brand consultant and yet you're, you're not afraid to go in and actually be a part of a brand and, and develop something new for a brand that ultimately is the, you know, it creates the whole rather than just the drill. And, and you, you're, you're, you're fixing the problem within the industry. I thank you so much. Cause that that's inspiring to me. Yeah, sure. I mean, I definitely wanted to partner. Like you said, like I, I wanted, um, first of all, the help and I, I really the simplicity of it, right? I didn't want to have to take on all that. It was far less risk. Um, but yeah, like you said, I was definitely nervous about reaching out to this company. I didn't know them and they don't know me. I'm just some guy. Um, but you know, you, you pitched them the idea. I, I was telling them why it would make sense and, and we were able to come to an agreement on it and it's definitely worked out. 
I love it. The, the other point I'll make that I think has really worked for me is uh, finding a niche market. So bass players are obviously not huge. Um, and that works for a number of reasons, right? They have their own online communities. There's forums, there's blogs. I was able to send out free samples to some of the guys who post a lot on there. They're well-known and just get a ton of free publicity, right? They would write about it. They would do reviews. They would send it to the bass magazines. And I, I right at the start, I just got all this free publicity because the bass community is small and it's kind of easy to target. And I just got it for free. You know, I wasn't even spending any kind of advertising money, um, just kind of getting in, getting in these forums where word of mouth could take over. Gosh, man, that that's that again. I know I'm saying this, but that's so cool. Like, you know, again, people are afraid of like, oh, I'm not going to give my stuff away or if I'm going to give it away, I'm going to give it away to make sure that there gets a review on Amazon. But ultimately you took it and you said, okay, here's my product. I'm going to give it away to the guys who, who are in my niche. And, and, and that's gosh, like that's so cool. Cause like, I, I don't know. I think about how many products that we have, you know, it's, it's beauty products or clothing or, or games, you know, why, why are why are we not reaching out more? Not that we aren't, but why aren't we more reaching out to these communities that are passionate about board games or, or, or passionate about hair care product? Because if we give it away to them, yeah, we're probably not going to get the same Amazon review that we would from a, you know, a professional reviewer or whatever, but we're going to get a, a people group that are passionate about our product. And, and I mean, you guys just heard it. He's a brand consultant. Like Daryl does this. This is what he does. And that's his, I, I think that's, that's again, there's so many takeaways in that, but I love that, that I know it's so simple, but you went into the forum and you gave it away. How, how has that helped your business? Have you, have you seen people from that forum ended up, have they come and bought your product now? Oh yeah, for sure. Some of them have become regular users of it and they've also become evangelists, which is really the value. Um, so I, I didn't also just send it to anyone. I, I tried to pick the sort of influencers in the market, right? The people who other people were looking towards, like the people who posted a ton on the base forums um, and the sort of blogs and the people who were reviewing um, so that they could then mention it. And since now, if you if I Google search, you know, my name, the brand name, I'll find all these reviews and, and people talking about it amongst themselves, right? And, and arguing about it and debating and people have used to come in and, and vouch for it and say this works really well like i love it you know um so i just love seeing that where i'm not even a, a, involved in it or a part of it but they're now talking about it on my behalf that's been huge for me goodness man uh it, it gets me so excited because this is it like that's why we do this that's why we get into to all of this process is that ultimately in the end we get to take part in changing somebody's life and, and I mean, at least for me, I should speak for myself. Like if I'm going to go private label a product, that's, that's my goal is that ultimately I'm creating the hole rather than the drill and, and understanding that like, there's a need for, there's a need for the drill. There's a need to, to get the job done, but I want to do it in the most effective way possible. And whether, no matter what the product is, it, it's there, you're, you're creating something that, that somebody can attach themselves to. What is your best advice for somebody who's selling on Amazon, who who's, has a brand or doesn't have a brand yet, but are selling multiple products on Amazon? How would you say to, to create a, a brand out of multiple different products in multiple different niches? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a tough question. It's when you have different brands, if they can live together, 
under what you know a, you might call a master brand. Um, that that always helps, right? So then you have different avenues of getting in, different ways of pulling people in, um, and you can create kind of a, a halo between the different brands where they all stand for something. You're creating trust and credibility that one lends to another. Um, and so that's great, right? And then you can build a brand personality around that. You can have a look and feel and a tone of voice. And once people buy into one of those and they say, hey, this is a great product, this is a great brand, let me see what else they have. Now you're selling your other products as well, right? So um, they'll all connect and and work together really to kind of, um, what's, this, what's the expression when the uh, tide comes in, all the ships rise? Um, you know, if you get one going, it'll actually help all the rest of them. Um, so that's great. If they are totally disparate products and, and you want to keep them as separate brands, um, you can do that too. I, w- I would still just encourage you to keep thinking of any product is still a brand, right? So you do still want that emotional layer on it. You do still want to connect with people. You want to still think this has some sort of personality and, and a soul to it, right? It's not just this functional product that someone's going to buy once because then they're going to just judge you on value and price. Um, if you know, if, if there's another one a few cents less than you, maybe they're going to go click on that one. Um, but if they, if they like something about your brand and it feels, you know, it depends on what the product is, but if it feels um, homemade and handcrafted, or if it feels sleek and modern and, or it feels like premium and special, right? And this can all come through and just in your design, in your tone of voice, in the language you use, um, then they're not going to be as easy or as quick to jump to another product just because the price is lower. They're going to have a bit more loyalty to yours. Um, and that's really what you want to build, right? And, and repeat customers and that'll come back and they'll actually look for your, your brand, not just a shampoo and whatever shampoo's there. They want that your specific one. Gosh, man. I, I, I know, again, I'm saying I'm excited about it, but this, this really is information. I mean, even, you know, you're talking about copy again, the way that you approach your, your, your title, even what would you suggest for the sellers that are, are creating new titles every day? What are some things that, that you could really easy, just copy tools to, to make a better title? Um, yeah, I mean, copywriting is an art. It uh, takes a lot of skill. There's people who are professionals at it and do it for many years, right? So it's 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 not easy, right? So I'd say try a bunch of different things. The best way is obviously to test, right? Like get a get a list if you can. A A B test things. That's always what I recommend because often what you think subjectively is going to work um, may or may not. And even the professionals when they try to guess, oh, this headline's definitely better than this headline. And well, when you test it, you might be totally wrong about that. So um, I've definitely been surprised. So it's often hard to guess. So I would say actually, you know, don't just trust your your gut or say this sounds good to me. Try to test it. Try to get in front of people and see what's actually going to work. Um, and if you can actually get data behind it that's the best oh i dude i I, again i'm saying i love it i i can't that's it's just this is this is what i i need to get excited about a brand you know it's it's the the practical help stuff like that and and i just it's about building a brand guys and this is the reason we wanted to have daryl on it's what the reason we wanted to talk about this was because it is about building a brand it is about making what you're doing right now the most significant thing you could ever do. And, and I get, I get the chance to talk to so many cool people every day, but the most exciting thing I, I hear about every day is when somebody has taken an idea, something they're passionate about, something that they already know, the niche, the ideas, the, the, the passions in their lives, and they actually create something from it because those are the products that I look at and I'm like, that's going to make it. That's going to be huge. And then to add copy on top of that, to add, you know, a, 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 even working with a brand consultant to figure out, okay, how do my products 
go under one one big branch. It's you know you you look at Johnson and Johnson. It's it's a huge company with a ton of different areas, and and they're doing a ton of different things. But their their goal is to you know I, I think they're you know most of what they do is cleaning and 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 it's it's about the home. It's about it's about bringing the home. So so my challenge to you is take the list the lessons we've learned today and and practically implement them into your brand and create a a hub uh, you know start thinking about what am, what am i as a brand what do i represent what do my products represent and start building off of that i know i'm going to go back and listen to this and and i i feel so grateful and Daryl, I know you're coming out with a book pretty soon. We'd love to have you on again just to talk about that and uh, and and kind of share really quickly what the the book is about. Sure, yeah, thanks. I'd love to come talk about it. So the book's called Brand Seduction. It's um, how neuros- how neuroscience can help marketers build memorable brands. So it really looks at how the brain works um, and how we actually make brand decisions. So human decision making is this fascinating thing, and we're all influenced by things we don't even realize, right? So our unconscious is always working. It works in really tricky ways. Um, it actually uh, tricks us a lot of the time. We don't realize why we're doing what we're doing. Um, we're really irrational. When we like to think we're really rational and in control, there's been a lot of research that shows how irrational we really are. So I kind of just go into some of that science. I, I, I keep it really light and fun. Um, you know, It's really fascinating to me, and I hope other people will find it fascinating. And then I apply it to marketing, so how we can build stronger brands that will appeal to people um, and that they hopefully will choose more often. Um, so yeah, it's called Brand Seduction. It's out for pre-order now on Amazon. Um, yeah, and it'll be out in April hitting shelves. Perfect. Well, I, I'd love to have you on again and, and just to talk through that. So Empire, be looking for that. That'll be the, the 2.0 of this podcast. But uh, thank you so much for being on. I, I seriously am so excited to go back and listen to this and start putting these things into action. Yeah, thank you. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Well, Empire, if you want to know about anything Daryl's doing, even his band, uh, go out. It, it'll be below in the, the comment section in uh, on YouTube and iTunes. It'll be right in the body of the, the, the podcast. And you can also find it on our, our blog, on our, our uh, man, I'm, I'm blanking, on our website. But it'll be all over, guys. And we're so excited that you tuned in today. I feel so blessed that you guys are here and a part of this community. Uh, come talk to us on Facebook. We're there. And uh, again, Daryl, thank you so much for being here here. Sure. Thank you. Glad to be here. Until next time, Empire, have a fantastic day. Thank you for listening to the Online Empire Academy podcast. If you want real, actionable, and proven entrepreneur ideas that you can use right now, join us for free at the onlineempireacademy.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, help us make more by rating us on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. We'll see you next time.